I need to keep that in mind because there's a lot of times I need a do-over. <laughs> do what? <laughs> Just in case you haven't heard, Judy's out today. She's got the stomach bug. And so I'm going to get in the motel room for a few days just to stay away from her. But anyway, but it uh, she was feeling puny yesterday, and then this morning woke up and wasn't feeling puny more. She was feeling sick from now. So, but it uh, appreciate Robert jumping in and filling in for us and just taking care of it. And so this, she should be back and uh, pretty quick. But also remember our uh, Revelation Bible study will continue tonight, chapter seven. Brother Norman Lance is going to be leading that study, or that or that chapter, and so uh, come on out and join with us. We just have a relaxed time back in the fellowship hall. If you're new here or hadn't seen it, just come in, go in the hallway, all the way to the last door, and you turn right, and you'll be there. Uh, we have uh, some snacks and so forth, and just make it very comfortable, so come on out and join with us. Having a good, do no choir practice, that's right, and so keep that in mind. It's That's at 6 o'clock tonight, so come on back and join with us. We'd love to have you. We do have visitors in our crowd, so be sure to meet some of them. Yes, we got a lot of our members going this morning. It's that's what we call those cold weather Baptists, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, but it, uh, there is a lot of sickness around. But it, uh, be in prayer for them that wasn't here this morning. If you will get your Bibles and turn with me to Psalms chapter eighty-four, and we're going to read this entire chapter, all twelve verses. Once again, would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word together? Now let me let me read you the prefix before we get there. It says to the great musician, to the chief musician, on an instrument of Goth, a psalm of sons of Korah. And we read verse one: How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! How long, how, how my soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they they will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on on you on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go forth, uh, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold your, our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For the day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The glory will, will give grace and glory. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. And Lord, we just thank you so much for that chapter we just read. And, Lord, how it talks about the house of God and what should be inside the house of God. Lord, there's a lot of things we get wrong nowadays, and we don't do the right way. But, Lord, this passage makes it so evident of what we should be doing, each and every one of us. Go with us now as we dwell upon these different points. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. Now, i got to apologize to you. My, I got new glasses yesterday. I'm not quite used to them. So I can be running along all of a sudden. I see a word, and that's not the word that's supposed to be there. But it's anyway. So we're going to try to make it through this morning getting used to them. But undoubtedly, the church has changed over the last 20 to 30 years. Some changes were good, but some of them not so good. The world has been has seen probably some apathy inside the church in our churches. There's probably some inconsistencies even in our churches. I think this psalm that we just read has to be one of the most moving expressions that the Christian has for God's house. You know what? You know that when a person receives Christ, that person instantly, the Scripture says, is baptized into the universal body of Christ. That when you accept Christ, you're instantly placed into God's family. But you also know that when you accept Christ, God wants you to identify with an assembly of God's people. He desires for each one of us to be a, a member of a church, a God-serving church. There's a lot of churches out there. Not all of them are God-serving churches. A local church where God's Word is taught and the local church where believers are growing in their personal faith, but also reaching outside the doors of the church to reach people in our parking lots, at Walmart, wherever you run into people. Now, if you're like me, you run into people all the time. So it gives you an opportunity to share something to those people. You don't have to know them. Now we've got those little cards. You can take them and just hand them out and just invite them to our church next week or whenever it may be. Every born-again believer needs to identify himself or herself with a New Testament local church of some form. I'm not saying you have to go to the Baptist churches. I'm not saying you have to be a Methodist or anything else. You've got to find a church that's a God-serving church and be a part of it somewhere. That's not my commandment. I didn't tell you to do that. God did. So keep that in mind. I know there can sometimes be a lot, a, a lot of formalism inside of a church, which shouldn't be there. There is also a difference in what sometimes we as Christians profess and what we live. That's a challenge of the church. But this morning, I'm not here to preach a message of doom and gloom about the church. I'm here to tell you that scattered throughout all this world, there are, I believe, local assemblies of Christians that represent the New Testament pattern of what a church is. And we just read a pattern in the Old Testament. That's pretty active if you think about it for our days, too. So I'm here this morning not to run down the church. I'm here to lift up the church this morning. And I'm grateful for God's church, and specifically for this church right here, because you're my church family. Now, just last week, and I'm not going to call her name because I don't want to embarrass her or anything, but I had a lady in our church that called me and says, you know, I've been looking for love in a lot of places, but I hadn't found it. But when I walked in the door of this church, I knew something was different about that. Of course, she's talking about the preacher, I'm sure, but no, no, no I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but I'm, I'm not, not serious there. But yet, we're going to have to take that toy away from them. But 
it ought to be a fact that we love our church. We love this church. Again, I'm not down on the church. I'm up on the church. I'm excited what God's doing in our crowd. It's last Sunday morning was Easter Sunday, of course, but we had an outside service, and I believe the number was 67, if I recall right. And then we had over 100 in the service that morning. And what a great time that is. I know there's a lot of empty seats this morning, but yet also there's a lot of sickness out there this week, too. This weather, the way it changes back and forth, it's got us sick. But, but it, I'm grateful for what's church, God's church, and for specifically this church, because that's where I'm a part of. That's where God's called me to be. And the way that God is using, and I believe wants to use this church in the future. I don't know if you're aware or not, but we've got something planned called Mission Cove we're trying to get together. And this summer, what it is is just a great big activity, and we're still looking for a place. We haven't found a place in Copper Cove yet. We thought we'd found one over by the school, but they want to charge us by the hour for it. And believe me, it was not a cheap price to, for one hour, let alone three days' worth. So we just couldn't afford that. But God's going to open up something for us. And we're working on it. I believe it's going to be a great time, and we want a place where a lot of kids are around. Cause that's, we want to focus on kids and young people and so forth, as well as adults. And so we're looking for that place to do it at. But you'll be hearing more about it as it goes along. I want to share with you this morning the importance of God's house, the importance of God's church in your life, each one. And I know most of you here this morning are members of this church, so I'm speaking to the choir in essence, but still, Sometimes we need to be reminded of what our responsibility is toward the church. There is something that's happening in the lives of people today that I believe they're beginning to want to come back to the church. A lot of people during the 60s and 70s and even 80s and perhaps even the 90s began to drift away from the church. People that grew up in the church and they began to almost have the attitude, well, what's the church doing for me? First of all, you don't go to church for what it's doing for you. You go to church to worship Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to get in our minds first. But they want to, I believe that people are beginning to want to go back to church because they're hungry for something, and all this chaos in our world today is just making it worse. What's going on in our world they're looking for something that they will only find, I believe, in the house of God. Now, this psalm was written by a worshiper who had been unable to go to church for some reason, the house of God for some reason. We're not told what it was or anything else. Uh, he might call, you might call this person a shut-in. Uh, but who is, who is now filled with this joyful anticipation as he wakes, makes his journey once again back to God's house? If you read this chapter again that we just read a while ago, chapter 84 of Psalms, you'll find that this man's excited to go back. He's looking forward to walking the doors once again. Let me ask you on the outset, do you look forward to coming to church every Sunday morning? Now, come on, do you really? We ought to be excited about going to God's house. Not because of who sings a special not because who stands behind this pulpit, but this is where you can meet God in a literal form. We might call this person again a shut-in, but who's now filling this joy with joy, filled with joyful anticipation as he makes his journey back to the house of God. 
I think some of us, if we're really honest, lose our gratitude. We can lose our appreciation for God's house because it just becomes mundane. Well, I'm just supposed to go on Sundays, and so we do it. That's not the reason you're to come to church. Sure, we have friends here, but our purpose is to come and worship. And that worship is not so much toward God, it's God toward us more than anything else. He gives us things as we go through the service, as we listen to His words, as we listen to the songs that's sung and all the different aspects, Sunday school and children's department, all the different departments. It's for us to grow, not so we can come and let everybody see we're here this morning. That's not the purpose. I think maybe that the best thing that can happen to each one of us in the church on the church rolls today is be sentenced to a six-month church that's dead. You might begin to see what God's doing in other churches. You say, but look at us. We're not a large congregation. Every revival that started, major revival in the history of the United States, you know who it started by? Young people. Go back and check it out. I mean, I'm talking about back in the 1700s. Every major revival that just swept across this country or across cities or whatever it may have been was started by youth groups, was started by teenagers, in essence. Why can't that still happen today? We just don't expect it to take place anymore. I want to ask you the question this morning. Why is this man in Psalms that we just read, Psalms 84, Filled with such excitement as he makes his way back to God's house. Notice what it says in verse 2 of Psalms chapter 84. Listen to his words and think about it. Now, does, that, does the same thing apply to me? My heart longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Does that describe you? Every week, I would safely say a lot of us know it doesn't. And I'll be honest, a lot of days that didn't describe me either. Do you long for God's house? He's longing for God's house. That's the question. Why should we, as God's people, long for the house of God? Number one, God's house is such of a loving place. God's house is a loving place. Now, let me preface that a little bit and say this. God's house is supposed to be a loving place. Not all time is it a loving place. But as we come together to God's house, we need to focus on what God wants to say. It's not about who stands up here. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, all I am. It's about who we come to this building for, to worship. So the first thing we want to look at is God's house is such of a live, loving place. Verse 1 says, How lovely, lovely is your tabernacle, O God. Now, that could be a reference to the building he walks into. It doesn't tell us. Itself was beautiful, perhaps. And I do think it's important and very a good thing to do that we keep our God's place as a lovely place. 
Aren't we grateful to have this building that we meet in each and every Sunday? A lot of churches don't have the blessing that we've got. But yet that doesn't mean they're not a loving church anyway. God has been good to us. I want to think a lot. I want to think it says a lot about God's people, the way we care for this house, this building. All of it. Now, I know we've got an older building, and there's challenges with that and so forth. We understand that. Any older building begins to have challenges with it. But yet, I believe our maintenance department is doing a good job of keeping it the best shape they can, getting rid of things we don't want, making things focus inside this building, so on and so forth. You walk into a church that's shabby and run down and ill-kept, it says something to you about how the people who worship there, how they really feel about the God they worship. If we come into a building, it's dirty, it's filthy, it's the tears in the seats and all these things, you wouldn't feel real proud for people to walk in and see that. So he could be saying, how lovely is your tabernacle? How lovely is the place you dwell in? But then he also could be saying, how loving is the place we worship in? How loving are we as a church? How loving are we when people visit with us? We've got visitors here this morning. I don't want to embarrass them by any means, but we've got visitors. And that's why it's important for us to go back there and meet them, to greet them and say, hey, we're glad you're here this morning. They may never darken the doors again. I don't know. That's not between us and them. That's between God and them because God calls them to church. Once again, there are people who have concern and compassion in their lives. I don't know where you are, but I love this church. I love this church. I love each one of you. Well, maybe some not as much. Oh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but I love this church. And here's the reason I love my church. I love my church because I came to be a Christian. I was baptized in a church. I love this church because I know there are people who are filled with God's love. I love this church because I know that we have people that are compelled to love each other. No matter what the differences are. Each one of us are different, folks. There's not a one of us in this crowd like the rest of us. And yet we've got people, regardless of what you look like, how you act, they're going to love you anyway. Because that's the purpose that they're here for. To love each other. I don't really like people, like to hear people criticize God's church, but a lot of them do it. I heard about a preacher who said that at the end of the service one Sunday morning, he says, uh, Mr. Jones, would you stand and lead us in a word of criticism? Some people criticize so much, that's probably the kind of prayer we need to have. Some people criticize. Now, I'm used to going home and y'all having preacher for dinner. I, I'm used to that. Roast preacher. Preacher. That's pretty good, too. <laughs> but we ought to be a group that loves each other and cares for each other. I'm not always going to do things that play, please you. Don't get too upset. I'll apologize if you'll tell me. No matter what I say, if I offend you, I'll apologize to you. But if God says it, don't come to me for an apology. You better go to Him for it. I don't like that. I don't understand those who 
put down the church. Jesus loved the church so much that He died for the church. Well, I thought Jesus died for each of us. We are the church, folks. It's not this building. This building could blow away by a tornado tomorrow, and we'd still be the church. This building is just that, a building. Now, again, I think we're to keep it in the nicest shape and so forth, make it look good, and put the plants out and all these kind of things that add to it, work on our service, sing the songs we need to sing, and all the different aspects. But the bottom line, this building is nothing more than a building. It's not sacred. There's nothing great about it. It's just a building where God's people come to meet. But then we also see a church not only is a loving church, it ought to be a church that's a living church. The church ought to be a loving church. And I'm so grateful that this one is one of the hallmarks of this church. This church goes back for many years. We've got a man visiting this morning said he remembers going to this church, I believe, is 30 years ago. Is that correct, Mr. Rex? 40 years ago. I was three years old then. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But it, but it's he has a history of this church. He's been here before. Maybe not when any of you were, but yet he remembers this church what it was. And I'd safely guess it was probably considerably larger uh, number-wise because I remember the churches we went to in the 70s and 80s and so forth, that they were had not yet begun church decline as we see it today. Thank you for the way you love inside this church. That's what's important. When people walk in, if nothing else, they ought to feel the love when people come up to them. They ought to feel God's love here. And be drawn to that. Not necessarily to this church. Maybe looking for another church. That's fine. I have no problem with it. If you're not happy in this church, let me know. I'll help you find one. But I want us to be a church that when people walk in, they know they're loved. They know they're cared for. I want to say to you, thank you again for, this, for the way you love in this church. But there's all kinds of people that walk into this place week after week. And that's what they're looking for. They may not even know what they're looking for. But they want to find a place that can show you how to love. Regardless of what you do for a living. Regardless of how wealthy you are. Regardless of how poor you are. Regardless of what is in your past. That's irrelevant. Because Jesus is the one that can change that. But our job is to love people when they walk into this building. Each other as well as visitors that walk in this building. They're looking for people that have a genuine love for them. It should be a loving place. But also, God's house is a living place. It ought to be live. We should long for God's house because God's house is a living place. In verse 2, the psalmist said, listen to this. My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Now, put those last two things in perspective. If you have a loving church, you're probably going to have a living church. And when you have a living church, people are going to be drawn to it. When they walk in the doors, they'll be able to feel that growing love inside the church. You see, the church ought to be a living place because living people 
who have been made alive through faith in Christ Jesus are there worshiping the living God who is always at work in this church. Once again, when I think about my personal life, I just praise God for this church. Now, I've told you many times, I'll continue telling you, when Dave Titus talked to me on the phone about possibly coming down here, I got the map after we got off the phone and had to look at where in the world is Copper's Cove, Texas. I've been in Texas all my life, and I've never heard of it. The first thought I had was Copper's Cove. That's on a lake somewhere. I like that idea. Boy, was I wrong there. <laughs> I've met the sweetest people I've ever known in God's house. Like I said, I gave my heart to Christ in God's house. I've made the best friends I've ever made in God's house. So I love this church. I love the church. We're fortunate to have been as our fifth church to pastor. And we've been in five fantastic churches, every one of them. Sure, they had problems, but don't we all? You meet people who know what life's all about when you go to a church that's alive for God. So when you come to church, we're walking to the presence of God Himself. The church is not a building again. Church is not a matter of a place as much as it is a matter of a person. We're here today not because this place is nice. We've got things going on. We're here today because Jesus Christ is here today. Church is, a li- is, the, church is the living God Himself, and it's God's people sharing spiritual lives with each other. Sunday morning, this is the place where we can meet God. And when you meet God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be a different person. And when you're a different person, you're going to be a different father or mother or daughter or son or niece or nephew or whatever it may be. When you meet God for the first time, your life's going to change. That's why I've said probably a hundred times already, and I'll continue saying it, If your life hasn't changed since you came to know Jesus Christ, something's wrong with your salvation. Because God doesn't leave you the same. It's going to change. If your life is still the way it was before you met God, then something's wrong. You need to deal with that. When you meet God, you're going to be different. You can be a different person where you work. You can be a different mother. You can be a different father and so forth. Why? Because on the Lord's day, when you meet the living God, you're not going to be the same. You're going to be different. So we should come here. We should long for God's house. Why? Because this is a loving place where we find the love of God, hopefully, in everybody that's here. It's also a living place where God is alive and working in our hearts, changing us. But also, God's house meets the spiritual needs of the family. Psalms 84.2 says, Blessed are those who dwell in the house. They will be praising you. The best thing you can do for your own life and your family is to take them to God's house regularly. Not once every six weeks, regularly. Here's a man who's made the choice to build his life, and I think the life of his family, around the house of God. 
Now, as a father, as a mother, listen carefully. I know that we don't have too many young people in here this morning, but we ought to be building our lives and developing the lives of our children around the ministry and the activities of God's house. Psalms chapter 84.3 is a picture of the birds gathered around, gathering high in the altar of God's house. Now, most people, well, that's repugnant. These birds up in the attic. But watch what's taking place here. It's almost like the psalmist is saying to us that birds have enough brain power that they want to bring up their young in the house of God. Now, brains are not noted for great brain power. In fact, if you call somebody a bird brain, you're really insulting them. But that's what he said. So the psalmist is saying here again that by outward appearances, these little bitty birds seem to be saying, seem to have enough brains about them. They seem to be smart enough to bring up their young in the house of God, up in the up in the highness of the inside the steeples, perhaps whatever it may be. They seem to be smart enough. Now, the point is rather obvious. There are some men and women in Copper's Cove who are smart enough to lead a corporation, businesses, but maybe don't have the sense enough to build their lives in God's house. Did you get that? These birds, the writer says, are smarter than some of the human beings we deal with on a regular basis. Let me say something to you about if you're a mom or a dad. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not going to force my kids to go to church. I'm not going to influence them to go to church. Well, guess what? If you don't, somebody else will. I remember one time, in fact, it's our first church, South Made, Texas, up west of Sherman. We had this young lady start to visit church. She was a teenager in that neighborhood, 15, 16, whatever it was, and she kept started coming to church, and I went by to visit one day, and I'll never forget this. This is my first year as a pastor. And I said, well, we'd like to thank you for letting your daughter come to church and so forth, and just we really enjoyed having her. And she said, well, I'm not going to influence her one way or the other. It wasn't too long, a couple of years, that that young lady stopped coming to church. She may be at the age of 16 now, and I'm not sure what it was. But before we left there, I was only there for three and a half years. That young lady started running around. She became pregnant. And it just totally turned away. And I couldn't help but think about that mother's words. Well, I'm not going to influence her to go to church. Well, lady, you probably just lost your daughter because of it. As parents, as anybody's got any influence, we ought to be influencing our kids. Put them in an environment where they can see God constantly. I think as parents, we can make a going to house of God so exciting and so real and so interesting and so genuine that it's really not a matter of forcing them or making your children go to church. They're going to want to. I remember when my two boys were growing up a few years ago. But it's... My older son, at least, he was the kind that he, you know, just had to have the popular people around and everything. And so we had a, we lived next, this, by this time we were in Paris, Texas, over that Paris area. 
out in a little town called Novice. And we were, our, the parsonage was next door to the house, and we at the building had a, I mean, we had ping pong tables and things in the youth room, and it was fun. The kids come out there and play, and we had a volleyball net and a basketball net and all these kind of things. And, and we started having kids that wanted to spend the night. And I says, okay, you can spend the night, but you're going to get up and go to church with the next morning. Do we have to? If you spend the night, you do. And so, otherwise they miss breakfast, but, <laughs> and teenagers don't like to miss breakfast. But I remember one, around Christmas one year, I got up Sunday morning, going to go over to the church next door and start getting ready for the service. I stepped over about 20 teenagers, boys and girls, but they all had their sleeping bags and so forth. And that morning, about 20 teenagers came to church with us. Every one of them. I don't think a one of them left. Now, it's nothing we did, but my boys knew Come Sunday morning, they're going to church. There was not an option. They didn't have a choice. You're going to go to church. And anybody that spent the house in my night, not, how, not in my house on Saturday night, they were going to church with us. And every one of them didn't say a word, just got up. But let me tell you about a story about a young man. In fact, uh, he's on my Facebook now, but he grew up with my oldest son. He was there a lot of nights because he, he didn't have the best of families. We were sitting at the breakfast table one time just eating breakfast. Me and my sons used to cut up with each other. I know y'all can't see that in me, but it, we did. We used to cut up quite a bit. Like one of them would say, I need a biscuit, so I'd throw him a biscuit. Hit him in the head or whatever it may be. That's his problem. Should have caught it. But we were sitting at the table, and Michael's his name. In fact, I talked to him the other day on Facebook, and he says, I'm going to come up and visit y'all's church one day. He's now living down in Houston, the executive of a big corporation. And I said, good, we need your offering. But it, no, I didn't say that, but... <laughs> But anyway, it, uh, we were sitting at the table, and something was said, and he, he made this comment. He says, I wish my parents loved me the way y'all do. And I said, I knew his parents. I said, Mike, you know your parents love you. And here's his words. Love me. They don't even like me. That just tore me to pieces. Here's the this is a teenager now. He's probably, I think they were in high school this time. And he's totally convinced. His parents don't even like him, let alone love him. And he was as serious as you could be. Folks, if you've got to take a teenager in and love them a little bit, take them in. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, don't let them slip away. You be the kind of father or mother in the home that Christ has made you to be. And I think come Sunday, your children are going to, be anxious to go to God's house because they've got parents that live that life. And then they'll meet the Savior one day. That's made them have the same, wants them to have the same kind of mom and dad as they did growing up. That's what we need to be in the church. I've got more mamas in churches I've been at than I can name. And they're still mamas to me. I've got one lady over in Texas Canada just the other day, I put something on Facebook, and she called and says, uh, uh, texted me and says, what are you, how is everything going? I said, it's going good. We really enjoy over here. Now, be truthful with me. Are you really enjoying it? Yes, Mom, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> she's no kin to me. But yet she's that type of person that cares for you. Is everything all right? I don't see how a person can make it in this world without a church. I just don't understand it. The next thing we see is God's house provides support in the valleys of life. 
I love what the psalmist says in verse 6. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they will make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. The valley of Baca, if you look it up, really means the valley of suffering, the valley of weeping. Sooner or later, all of us are going to go through some valleys of weeping in our lives. We're all going to be. If you haven't yet, you're going to. The fact is that all of us right now, if we'd just be honest with ourselves, open our hearts, we'd be amazed at how many people sitting in this room right now, which is a small crowd today, what they're going through at this very moment in their life. Because a lot of people hide it real good. We've got people that just lost a daughter in the church. We've got people down in Houston right this very moment that's standing, staying by the bedside of Baki's sister. And at 1230, they're supposed to pull the plug. That's a valley. People all over. And if I were to ask you, probably, I'm saying 20% or 30% of this room would say, well, you won't know what I'm going through right now in my life. No, I don't. But, folks, I didn't write this Bible. God did. And he says you can turn that valley of weeping into valley of joy if you'll let him. The Psalms are really a well that David dug in the valleys of weeping so that you and I, these weary pilgrims walking along the way, can come along and drink from the experiences of David and be refreshed by him. He wrote the Psalms, many of them. And they were written for us. Read them sometimes. It gives you comfort for every situation you can imagine. You see, there's not an experience that you're going through or have been through or will go through that somebody probably in this room hasn't been through the same type thing. That's what it's about. They found the well of blessing inside the house of God. There is power in the church. You can draw strength and refreshment from what other people have learned and are learning. Even in the valleys of life, when the valleys come, you need a church. When the valley experiences goes, those valleys, goes through those valleys so that we can trust Him because God's taken us through those valleys so that we can bring the experience of that power to other people. Perhaps in this church room right now. Maybe something we've been through. And you don't know what that other person sitting beside you or down the row from you or whatever it may be. But you know one thing. They've been through some challenges. If you'll take the time to talk to them, you'll find out. And it may be the very thing that you've gone through, and they can help you with it. That's what a church is all about. So I want to encourage you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, we're told. But He can only do that as you are faithful to a church family. You don't believe me? Listen to these words. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider one another, each other, in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, lifting one another up, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day? The day when Jesus comes back. So, the fifth reason 
that we long for God's house is the support, the ministry that God gives each one of us. Number five, God's house teaches us eternal truths. The reason we should long for God's house is that God's house teaches us eternal truths. This is where you encounter or should encounter week in and week out the only truth of God. Because God's Word should be taught in a house of God. Whether it be Sunday school, whether it be children's church, whether it be pulpit, I want to challenge you. If you ever hear me say something that's not scriptural, you point it out. Because I make mistakes sometimes. And sometimes my words get twisted and it comes out the wrong way. But I want you to know it needs to be God's Word taught in this church. Period. Sunday school classes. Children's church. Nursery. They ought to be learning about Jesus. Otherwise, we can close these doors of this building and pack hay in it and go home. It's useless. The sixth thing we see real quick. He learned the secret of strength at the church. Verse 7 says, they go from strength to strength. I love this. The Bible tells us that we can experience strength from strength, ever increasing along our way. Paul writes, although we are wasting away outwardly, we can be renewed every single day. One of the ways of which God strengthens our lives is when you come to God's house and you hear a message and, or you hear a Sunday school class or you sing a song or you hear the choir sing, whatever it may be, God gives you that little inner strength for whatever you're going through in life. So this is the place where you can learn the secret of strength. And then lastly, or next to last, he learned the sweetness of serving God. Verse 10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. That's the sweetness of serving God in your local church. And again, I didn't say this church. Yeah, I'm sort of partial to this myself. But there's some good churches in town. It might be teaching Sunday school class, singing the choir, or it might be just ushering, or it might be greeting people when they walk in the door for the first time. What a great ministry that is. We have people that you're the first one they meet when they walk in the door. You know what they say about impressions? The first impression is the one that lasts either good or bad. And when you walk in the door, we want people to got a smile on their face and greet them with joy and just let them know. That's why we encourage you when we have that little song to turn and shake hands. Greet these people. Let them know that they're special this morning. They're our honored guests. Look at verse 11. We're going to close real quickly. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. But what's this part? I don't even think I've ever noticed this before. No good thing will he be withhold from those who walk uprightly. Do you hear that? God just made a promise. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen one of God's promises broken yet. Listen to what he says. He will take care of every need that you have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every need that you have. That is the assurance that God gave the Apostle Paul. 
Why could Paul claim that promise? It never tells us, but here's what I think. I think he could claim that promise only because Paul could say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But there's one reason for me to be right here on earth, Paul says, and that is to spread the word of Jesus Christ. So what Paul's saying is, God, if you want to take me, I'm ready to go. But if you want to leave me here for a little bit longer, I'm ready to stay. Either way, I'm going to serve you. He will take care of all my needs. He gives me that source of power. Some years ago, Judy and I were in Ar- on vacation up in Arkansas when we was over in Texas. And up northern Arkansas is beautiful, even though they are Razorbacks and they don't like Texas. But they're still beautiful over there. But it's we were on a little vacation, and I what we like to do is if we you know go on a weekend somewhere on Sunday mornings, we'll get out and maybe we're driving somewhere, whatever it is, and see a little church and just stop in and have church with them. This particular one, it's been probably ten years ago now, but we was up in northern Arkansas driving, was heading up some friend's house, in fact. But we left out that morning and we passed a little church, and Judy said, "That looks like a nice little church. Why don't we go back and go to church there?" I said, "Okay, let's do." So we found a place to turn around and come back in. We walked in the building. Now, we were the only white people in the building. My first inclination, maybe we better not go here. But a guy met us at the door and shook our hands, hugged our necks. Oh, we're so glad to see you. Okay, let's stay for a few minutes. We can leave later if we have to. That was one of the most loving congregations. In fact, to this day, around Christmas, we always get a card from, there's one man that really just stood out. And, hey, when y'all coming back up to our church? And this wasn't even a big, maybe 30 people at the most. And that's, that's probably stretching it. But they loved us more than any place I've ever walked into in my life. That's what a church ought to be. That's how church ought to be. When they walk in, their hands shake so many times, their hands going to hurt when they go home. That's the love of God. I don't care what size church it is, what little, what big church. I've been in so many little churches that are so much more friendly than big ones. I mean, and I'm not knocking big churches. But it's where God's people are what matters. They may walk up and hand you a card and say, here, fill this out. But let them know that you love them, that we love them when they walk in. That's what God's house is all about. Are we really longing for God's house this morning? Do we desire to be that kind of a church? I believe we do. And I believe we're going to be. We're on our way. We've got good people. But all we got to do is start sharing the love of God a little bit more. In everything we do. Let's stand together this morning. Are you where God wants you to be? In your spiritual life? As well as your church life? Yeah, we're an older congregation in here for the most part. But let me tell you, nobody loves like a grandma does. If we would just love people like a grandma does, we'd be in good shape. Do you need that this morning? I don't know what you need. Maybe there's somebody here that does not know Jesus as a personal Savior. This morning, 
to invite you to come for that reason. Nobody's going to try to talk you into joining this church if you don't want to. That's, that's fine. All we're asking is between your relationship between you and God, is it real? If it isn't, go back to your church and make it real. Start applying it in your life. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this day you've given us. And Lord, now as we come to this time of invitation, we just ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we know there's people right now that are going through valleys, through trials, through tribulations, through heartaches. There's some in our congregation that have lost loved ones. We've got others that are just waiting, just literally a few minutes, and the last breath will be taken of that person. Lord, you know the needs of each one of us here today. Don't let us close these doors without you speaking to us, without somebody coming and just wrapping their arms around us and saying, Hey, I love you. I love you. Lord, let this be a God-fearing, God-serving church in everything we do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing this.